James, where are you? You're not in your usual place. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Your location's different. Yeah, I'm at a. <laughs> my location's different. Your fucking location's different. I'm uh, I'm at the I'm at the Hilton, which hey. isn't fa- it isn't fancy anymore. Trust me, it used to be. Um, in Austin, Texas, for the Austra- Australian Fuck Association of Healthcare Journalists Conference. It's just AHCJ in my head, and my brain always goes Australian. They are not Australian. <laughs> Very nice people, though. I've you- met, a, met a couple of people randomly going on so far. Am I a healthcare journalist? No, I'm not. What a stupid fucking question. Next question. I was going to ask you that. Are you presenting a oh, thing? Yeah, I'm presenting a thing tomorrow morning, Daniel. What are you talking about? Um, um, well, basically, it's a, you can think of it as how to write stories about scientific malfeasance. Oh, where cool. to Where to find it, who to hit with the baseball bat, where to pay the money, where to hide the bodies. You know, all that good shit. Speaking of scientific malfeasance and finding it. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to share something with you. What do you got? When in Rome, I'm in Austin, remember? Ah, yeah. Central District, 417 Red River Street. Pick up the tempo, hazy IPA. There you go. I didn't didn't, didn't think you were an IPA, man. Um. Jesus Christ, Daniel, implying that I'm some kind of beer racist. I mean, everything, man, if you make it right. Every beer style, very, very, the only beer styles that I don't like is not because it's impossible to make them well and have a nice one. I fully believe every single individual beer style, even really weird shit. I've had ancient Egyptian beer made with bread yeast that was good. Amazing. I've had things that's like uh, the sort of porridgey sort of beer that is from Africa. Um, whose name and circumstances I forget entirely. I've had a, I've had a nice version of that. Um, the only styles generally I don't like are the styles that people generally fuck up. There's a place, and there's a place for every single type of beer. There you go. Yeah, but obviously it has to be made well. You have to know what you're doing. I read a thing that um, someone was complaining that why don't all these um, new craft theory new craft breweries make um, why are they always making IPAs and not like Pilsners and Lakers and I read that um, IPAs are a bit more forgiving they, if you're a they shit do brewer make, they do make Pilsners and Lakers what, what, what is this bullshit yeah well, not as not as many uh, are ma- making that compared to IPAs though well, no, that's not even true. That's not that's not even true by volume. If you most fancy breweries that have a few little fancy things here and there, most of them in that business. Um, I had someone explain this to me in Victoria. They had uh, like eleven fancy beers, and then they had their one sort of Kosciuszko lager or whatever the fuck it was. And eighty like percent of their sa- it's 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 fine. It's solid. Eighty um, percent of their sales were that lager. That was eighty percent of their money. Okay, there you go. Right. So the other thing is, is it's those styles are actually very difficult to make. They can be incredibly unforgiving with how you put the 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 malt profile together, and some of them are only good fresh. Honestly, like, there's a huge difference between fresh lager and regular shit lager, and it it tastes a lot more. Oh fuck! I mean, it's this is a terrible wanky thing to say, but go to the Czech Republic and drink the fucking lager, and it'll change your mind. Yeah, even drinking even drinking the lager fresh in Poland versus the same one in Berlin, like three hours away, was was different. And I don't have a good palate. I'm not a fucking fancy person who genuinely gets the difference between things. Always oh, that lemongrass. I can't do that shit. 
But yeah, look, um, obviously people who drink beer like that and these are businesses that have to make their money. And if you don't like that, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> now, <laughs> I bet you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying, folks. I'm trying. Now, I bet you didn't think that um, this week a whole bunch of academics would be talking about Mastodon. You love you love Mastodon, don't you? Um, I have I have mixed feelings on Mastodon. Um, I was such a fan of the Remission album back in the day, and then for me, it kind of the style, the style sort of like it wore off. But that first album that was so angular and well coordinated and together, it was um. It was a really, really marvelous piece of heavy music. It really was, and then they sort of they they sort of went through a more than a decade period of disappointing me a little. It's not bad. Then I'm, I'm sure they're lovely people, um, and obviously a lot of other people like their music. It's just that the whole sort of middle section of the band's not really for me. But I really, really do love that Remission album. Of course, uh, the exact names we're not talking about. The band Master on who we'll, we'll link to. <laughs> <laughs> You just let me do that fucking intro, then you massive Cause I, idiot. Because I, yeah, I knew you knew what I'd be talking about. Um, Mastodon is is a social network. It's like a decentralized social network. Oh um, yes, yes, it's that too. And um, a lot of academics have been threatening that they're going to move to Mastodon after Elon Musk has bought Twitter. Elon Musk, pr- probably because he's he's bored, just you know, just for shits and giggles, has bought. Twitter, as you do, and um, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm I'm leaving. This is this is not for me. I'm gonna look at some alternatives." And uh, of, of course, Mastodon has been has been brought on. Um, I've had a look at it, and it's it's one of those things that you have to, yeah. There's not like one central timeline feed. There are different groups of feeds. Anyway, um, that's not the point. But the whole the whole question is, there are a lot of people who who, who are talking about. Um, that yeah, we're going to be we're going to be leaving Twitter because because Elon has bought it, and uh, which which is a shame because there's been a lot of you know, good stuff happening on, on on science Twitter. Okay, well, look, the proof of that pudding is very much in the eating, yeah. Um, and the proof of whether or not Uncle Elon ends up ruining something that he owns, I might add, that that doesn't necessarily mean he gets a lot of editorial control or whatever fucking decisions he can make. Um, I I have absolutely no idea what happens um, when you do something like that. I mean, Bezos owns the Washington Post. Do you still read it? Sure. So he doesn't. So he doesn't have a lot of editorial control. Probably some, and you know, there's people who say that there's the the at some macro level the editorial line has changed. Do they, do they put, which is something, they which is something that I'm Amazon stuff there? It's something that I'm perfectly willing to believe, of course, because and but that stuff is not. It's not exercised by top down control. He doesn't call up the editor in chief and go, "See, listen here, I want four good stories about me and my bald fucking frog looking head by four p.m." That's that's not how it works. You employ people who piss you off or they don't, and a line emerges by mutual unspoken agreement in the way that other social things are handled in other social contexts. So, some process like that may happen at Twitter. Um, I would be 
hesitant to think. I mean, there's a, there's a few things that could happen. And let's say just like, you know what? I believe in free speech. Like that's got anything to do with a social media company doing anything, right? I believe in free speech. It's fucking troll bullshit that he's cracking on with. So everything goes, you know? I'm going to let all the lunatics back onto my platform, blah, 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 blah. Well, a whole bunch of shit could happen. This is a US company. They could change Section 230 and make you responsible for things that happen on your uh, on, on your platform in a way that you're not now. Um, are, are any social media it would companies? be if you if you let back in like huge huge gaggles of assholes, the kind of people who are frankly already harassing people on Twitter in a way that is just abhorrent and unnecessary. And if I think your harassment of other people is abhorrent and unnecessary, <laughs> it, re- it really is, and you're scum, and stop it. Um, but you, you open you open yourself up to a variety of of legal avenues, depending on what's actually being threatened. You know what happens? What happens when Uncle Elon changes the editorial line, and one of these fucking incel characters who doesn't like a female epidemiologist actually does go around to a house and. And, and fucking throw a brick through a front window. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't want that to happen. I'm saying that when you, when you have these sort of dumb, woolly, attention trollish conceptions of free speech that mean let all the idiots back in to idiot all over the place and generally wreck up the ability to have a civil conversation, then there are, there will often be consequences. Um, I think at the end of the day, when you do what he does, he's much better at profile raising and shit talking and attention getting and managing the kind of financial backbone of everything he does rather than actually building companies. Like that's his genuine, he's managed to, he's, he's the first sort of, Post civility billionaire, <laughs> and also maybe he's also he's a gigantic fucking hypocrite because the only reason Tesla makes any money is because the whole fucking zero carbon thing is subsidized to the bullshit in the US. That was not a particularly clear sentence, but it's not like the company's wildly profitable because they had such a great idea. It's it's literally the way that the fucking tax incentives are set up on the vehicles. Mm. So it's also, I mean, it's very, very, very hypocritical to go whinge, whinge, Uncle Sam, free speech. And then throw your other hand over and then go, oh, the government's incredibly naughty, but I, I still want my subsidies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, this may have something or nothing to do with how academic people feel about how the platform's going to change. But the thing that no one's ever willing to admit when we all want to get excited and have an opinion in, in the space is we don't really know. Absolutely nothing could happen. It, and, you know, it could become somewhere between absolutely nothing, a, a little worse, a fucking a whole lot worse. Um, I don't know how I could possibly make it better. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's promised so, the edit button. Oh, yeah. But look, this is this is the thing. I don't, I don't really care about this man and I actively avoid news about him. Uh, the only good thing I've read about the, the sort of the, – the, there's, there's a thing that the onion did. Uh, in March, there's an article that's allegedly by Elon Musk, and it's called "Please Like Me." <laughs> Have you seen it? No. <laughs> yeah, this is this 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 is this is amazing. 
Uh, I've got to read some of it because Do when it. you said it, I opened it. It can be strange sometimes to be me. I'm the wealthiest man on the planet, for starters. Leaders across America and indeed the world look to me as a visionary driving technological progress in areas from transportation to communication to becoming a multiplanetary species. The kinds of projects I'm involved with blow most people's minds. To the outside observer, I'm sure it seems like I have it all, and I do, although I'd like to make one simple request. Please like me. <laughs> <laughs> Please, for the love of all that is holy, consider me clever and interesting. Honestly, I don't get why anyone wouldn't like me. I do cool <laughs> stuff. I make cars. People like cars, don't they? I make stonks go to the moon. Isn't that cool? Isn't making stonks go to the moon something people like? Seriously, come on, appreciate me. I was on Rick and Morty. Wubba lubba dub dub, right? I don't know why I'm reading it in this voice. <laughs> That's sort of how it's it's voiced. People love that show. I like to hang out. I microdose acid, a cool drug. Remember that time I went on Joe Rogan's podcast and smoked that joint? Who else would be crazy enough to do that but me? God, I'm lonely. <laughs> <laughs> that's what plays in my head mm. through this bullshit. Yeah. And that's why when it comes to, is this going to destroy civil academic discourse? It's been a very long time building communities around the idea that we can have an instantaneous conversation about different areas of science that are facilitated through this social network that wasn't designed to do that. Will he fuck it all up? The answer is I don't think anybody knows. And for Christ's sake, I joined Mastodon a very, very long time ago and I could not figure it out at all. No, I could die. Um... I don't know what's happened to it in the meantime. I'm sure there's communities of people out there who like it. Generally, these things end up being sort of supported by, you know, like subcultures. There's probably niches that it fits why it's still there, probably people doing some development. But I really don't know anything about it. And critical mass is very, very important when it comes to social media McFuck. It's very, very, very important. And... It's really hard to unentrench things. You have to come up with a whole new conception, not a more confusing version of the same thing that just doesn't have a billionaire narcissist involved. But Twitter was like a slow burn. Like it, it wasn't like overnight um, that it that it built up. But um, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard to leave. And a lot of people say, "Oh, we need a." We need some sort of platform for academics, but I don't think that's going to work. What we need is a platform that works for academics. And I think Twitter has kind of filled that space. Um, well, as a as a company, think of it. Let's 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 put sort of academic twaddle discourse because I don't know how much you love the fucking place. Let's put all of that on uh, a pedestal that's separate from Twitter itself. How many people is that? What do you mean? Hundred thousand? A hundred thousand? Two hundred and fifty thousand? Couple hundred. Yeah. Okay, th that's that's not a company. I'm sorry, it's not a company. I mean, Twitter is been tying themselves in knots for years because they're not really profitable as a company. I mean, they sell ads. But yeah, they've yeah, got yeah, some sucks. sources of revenue, but in general, it's just sort of it's been hovering around at about right, you know, doing okay for ages, and that's at the scale that it's at. Yeah. With all the ads for boner pills, you know? So, look, as per usual, no one's no one's better than people in the fucking academicals so looking at something and going, you know, everything should be different. Yeah. It should be different for me. I, I, sorry, are you going to program it? Are you going to pay for the fucking server space? 
Are you going to figure out the right way to make the actually really, really complicated mechanics, the guts of the user experience when it comes to uh, putting all this together? I mean, Usenet's still going. Is it? Yes. It's fine. It's still out there. And there's still people on fucking res.science.whatever still talking shit about the sciences in the place. I mean, it's mainly for people who think Unix is recent. <laughs> but it's 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 still out there. It's still hanging on. And there's a reason that it's not super popular, but there's also a reason it hasn't gone away. So, look, you... This is like you get more frustrated with this when you actually have to do shit all day, and the shit is <laughs> involves a lot of other people, and it's very hard. When someone says to me, "We should have something else," I stop thinking about the the headspace of that. The should a very long time ago, and part of that was working in academic malfeasance shit, mm. but part of that was having to back up should all the time. In any given professional task, we should. And it's like, well, fuck, get a pad and paper. We're going to have to start making some notes because there's so much to do. Which is exactly the same, but so much, so much of this rhetoric can be empty, Dan. We should. This is the, the, the people pissing in my ear for, for wanting money for doing peer review. Say, so, you know what we should do? We should just cancel the entire existing publishing industry and fucking start it again from scratch. Easy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's like saying we should bulldoze an entire downtown city block because there should be a dog park there, you know? We should fire all the Nazis into the sun. We should do a lot of shit, champ. It's really, really hard. And having an idea of how it all works better is usually 1% of the way towards making it better, and you very rarely survive the process without it, it morphing or changing or altering you yourself over time. Oh, fuck it. Should's my least favorite word. Shit is hard. All of that, all of that stuff is, is, is a challenge. Every, everything within the entire mechanic from one side to the other of everything that I've just said. All, all of it. Let's change publication. It's very difficult. Let's make our own social network. It's very difficult. And not very difficult in the terms of it's very difficult to walk up this adequately sized mountain oh it took six hours it was very difficult no it's tens tens of millions of dollars and a core team of people who will work very very hard to get a working alpha together only for you to find out that it's disappointing and your investors yell at you and kick you down a flight of stairs it's more it's more that space shut the fuck up with you should put your shot pick a wheel put your shoulder to the wheel and shut the fuck up with should that's my. That's the best advice I've got. I reckon, fuck, I hate giving advice. Pick something else to talk about. I reckon Discord is an interesting alternative. It's kind of like Mastodon, but it actually works. See, now that is a reasonable suggestion. Yeah. Um, Discord, a good way of thinking about it is it is kind of like Slack, but it is very easy to sign up and join new groups. Dan, um, we don't have a lot of old listeners. You don't have to explain what Discord is. Discord is like... <laughs> you don't. It is like an online. It is like an online chat. They're, they're they're basically formed around communities, around different interests. It originally started as a way to chat 
while you were gaming, but now it has formed and different people with different communities chat. There are different channels, different themes. You can, you can message people directly. You can have, um, audio conversations, audio chat rooms. It's super easy to use, very, very intuitive. Um, there's, I think there's a few, there, there, there's a few sort of open science type Discord channels and I quite like it as a really good alternative. I mean, Slack is good for doing stuff within a work context, but Discord, if you're starting up a thing, it is, um, it's, it's quite interesting and it's fun. It's fun to use. And I think that, I think, I think that's really key. So, as long as if people want this kind of public feed, um, I'm not sure there, there currently is an alternative. But if you're interested in actually, hey, we've got this community, um, be it around open science or around particular topics like a physiology or what have you, setting up a Discord. If, if, if you enjoy Twitter because of the community aspect, because you want to learn stuff, because you want to answer questions, because you want to get to know other people who are doing cool stuff, Discord is great. Um, but if you like Twitter because, you know, you get a bit of science or you get a bit of, um, you know, d- different sort of news, then it, it's not for you. But I don't know. It could be a, a very interesting alternative for those kind of communities. H- have you had a play around Discord? Uh, yeah, I've been. I, I, I had to because I was invited to a few events that were in it. And it's it's intriguing. Um the reason that I think it makes sense in context, Dan, is because all the people who grew up with it are now of sufficient age that if they went to the universitals and uh, in graduate school or something potentially past that, uh, coming from a headspace where I think it's normal. I think it's sufficiently matured as a platform that you can realistically think about people who have native experience with it now thinking about how it intersects to their work and sometimes that work being science. A lot of people are using it to coordinate coursework. So when they're coordinating hmm. the lectures yeah. and um, this is... <coughs> no dying. No dying. <laughs> but much in the same way that people are using Slack, it's just it's a lot easier and it's a lot more fun. Students kind of helping each other um, within Discord. It's good. I'll, I'll post. I like. I like those. As- obviously, I like those aspects of 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 of, of that in 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 anything. Yeah. I mean, those are always the good. You, you think about the sort of community building aspects of of shit. Oh, it's just, uh, I'm astonishingly tired today, <laughs> and then I decided. Then I decided to have a beer. Not many. A beer. But it is hitting me like buckshot right now. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think I'd spend quite as long. I mean, I really do not give a shit about Elon Musk. Why would I spend five minutes <laughs> mocking him? He doesn't care what I say and it doesn't change anything one way or the other. It's not something I think people would want to hear. But my brain-to-mouth channel right now is just a straight line, just just neurons on an interstate doing 90. <laughs> so you if you want to ask me something personal- <laughs> I don't have the wherewithal to lie. <laughs> but you know what's been um I've been obsessed with recently is uh, I've been watching the dropout. This is the the Therana story. This is um uh, a, a dramatization of, of the whole Oh yes. Uh yeah. It's uh, basically the retelling of Carrier's book mm, on bad no, blood. No, it's based on the other podcast. I've listened to Carrier's podcast. It's based on the other big 
podcast, which is on the story. And it's very interesting because I'd listened to Cario's one um, and it was super, super interesting. But this this one is more going into the backstory and I didn't think I'd like it, but I, I, it's so, so interesting. And it's just like, I know what happens, but it's crazy watching this whole thing happen, um, like kind of in real time, so to speak. I'd super recommend it. It's I, I think I'm up to like episode four, and it's okay. just yeah. And it, it, well, I know the the details of the story. Everyone who does what I now do knows the 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 mechanics of this story from end to end. I mean, shit. We we build medical devices, and we have people who fund our company. Blah, 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 blah. Um, how it all went down when I I got uh the book the carry wrote Bad Blood, and I got it. And I started reading it, and it was like the only other book that's ever done this to me has been Marabou Stork Nightmares by uh, Irvin Welsh, which is just such a horrifying book. It's like not wanting to look away from a car crash. It's an as- just an astonishingly fucking ugly yet compelling series of words in order. And this is the second book where I started reading it at, you know, six, half six, something like that. And I just read it and read it and read it and read it like I was binging a TV show. Because it was you can you can feel it going wrong. You can you can feel what the problems are. You you know, you just know how bad it's gonna get. Even when you know where it ends up, yeah. like following through the mechanics of that badness. Uh, I ended up going to bed at three in the morning going, going Fuck, I may have made a serious vocational error if I'm being surrounded. <laughs> I'm thinking about being surrounded by all this uh all this this fuss if this is possible. I think it's a reasonably unique set of circumstances the way that it shook out, but as in timing wise. No no, I mean it, it's I think it was it 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 required a lot of things to be right for everything to go that wrong. Okay. Um, the people, the people who the contact was made with the um, the disconnect between what I would call smart money and dumb money within the the sort of investment space, the time, the need for people here to put one woman on a pedestal, as opposed to a more sane version of the sort of the collective narrative. Because women have a really tough time like running companies and raising money. Yeah, it's just sure. it's still a very male dominated culture. It just fucking is. And I'd seen it from the inside a fucking thousand times. You can't tell me that it isn't. Um, I promise you it is. And, you know, people, rather than, rather than saying let's build an ecosystem that changes that, which women, of course, do, um, all of the attention was disproportionately assigned to someone who they felt could be their avatar. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, really unhealthy thing to happen without the requisite due diligence of whether or not the fucking space magic made the thing. Do you know how many times I've tried to buy a Theranos device? I have looked on eBay. I have looked. Well, uh, technically, they were all probably taken by when the the whole company folded. They were probably taken by people who would receive a ship and scrapped, most likely. But I've tried really, really hard to buy a Mini Lab or an Edison or something like that. Anyone knows. And I don't mean the one that the Mischief Art Collector made a toy of. They they did a release of toys called Dead Startup <laughs> Toys. They had they had the Juicero juice machine and the, that stupid fucking social robot that was never going to work. <laughs> um. And they made little toys of like the greatest startup failures of all time. That's the, amazing. The, the Juicero story is also fucking hilarious. Well, well, like, what is that? 
It was a home cold press juicing machine. Okay. Um, and for some inexplicable reason, they made it as high tech as humanly possible. Oh, I think I think I heard of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they shipped you the juice that was already in yes. Tetra Pak. So yes. what it did is it it squeezed <laughs> the juice out of the packet. Oh, squeeze the man. juice out of a packet into a glass <laughs> and then some some enterprising journalist figured out you could just get the packet and squeeze it like it was a Capri Sun and you hated it. <laughs> um, Capri Sun, hang on. Um, it's 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 juice in a poly bag. Yeah. Yeah? It's the same as a, 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 a popper or a juice box. Uh, yeah, popper. right. Popper. Now we're talking. Yeah, it's what they're called. That was what they were called in Australia. Because after you finish drinking the popper. juice, you would throw throw jump it on the ground behind someone uh, at a primary school, and then you would jump on the box, and it would explode, making them jump three feet in the air. And that's why they were called poppers, because they would pop. That's spot on. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's yeah. Um, so you can reminisce while yeah. you're sitting in your <laughs> fucking herring line new office in Oslo. Um. It was crazy watching it because, I mean, look, in terms of your line of work, how do you see it's changed how people approach things? Do you think it's actually changed how people uh, approach investments? Are people doing more due diligence? Does this thing? Mm, good, good, good question. The, ans- the answer is sort of. The answer is sort of. And the different approaches taken by, you have to understand there's a million different types of companies, different flavors. Different areas, different stages within a life cycle, um, run by people with various amounts of experience in various different places to achieve various different ends. Some companies only ever exist to eventually be sold because there's no way they could sanely commercialize the thing that they're making. Some companies only exist because the founders want to run the company for the next hundred years after they become a head in a jar, right? Some are designed to achieve a reasonable level of profitability. Some are designed to try and make a million billion dollars. Some are entirely digital. Some are physical. Some involve services that barely exist at all. Some involve things that are incredibly bespoke and come down to the interface between one person and one task and are very, very hard to scale. And this whole constellation of bullshit fits together with a constellation of investors. Some people only want to put $300 million into a company that is raising money for the fifth or sixth time. Some people only want to give $25,000 to a bright young person under the age of 22 who has a really great idea. And everything else between those two scales. Incubators want to give you a reasonable amount of money and take a lot of your equity early if they feel like what you're saying is a good idea. Um, Family offices are not the same as venture capital offices, are not the same as private equity people, are not the same as angel investors. All different categories of people who might give you money to do a thing. So was was there a hesitance around it? I think if there was a big hesitance, it was combined uh, combined, confined, I told you I was tired, confined to certain areas of diagnostics where I think there was very definitely a cooling of, uh, or we put the magic box in a house and it'll do the measurements and it's going to be amazing. I think that, I think it took a lot of the gloss off that in particular. But the problem with incredibly low interest rates and astonishing amounts of money is that there's not a lot of ways sometimes where the market can genuinely punish you. 
if you throw around a lot of dumb investments into small things, right? You say you invest in 10 things that you think are a good idea. You only have to get lucky once or twice for something to make an astonishing amount of money and an early stage investment sometimes. And it doesn't really matter what happens to the companies. Let's say you throw in $5 million and it ends up with a $120 million valuation, right? In general, that's that's going to work out. And either the whole thing is going to be sold, usually there's someone who has money to pay for the whole fucking thing, or it's going to go public. And when both of those things happen, uh, you cash out like a motherfucker, right? Now, if your parameters are close enough that you can guess you have an enormous ability, you have a tremendous amount of largesse to get things wrong. So there's not a lot of really good mechanisms for punishing dumb money coming from dumb people. Well, that's a little bit unfair of me. Let's, 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 I, I formally retract the word dumb. A lot of people are unsophisticated within highly technical spaces and distracted by shiny objects. And... There are certain things that make them get really excited and go, it's a sure thing, when there is no such thing as a sure thing. And they continue to make what they think are the right investments, and sometimes they go right purely by accident. Um, so uh, this, look, there's also lots of different philosophies when it comes to who do we give money to what. So it did, it did change things. But believe me, when it comes to, if you've got a board, it's got fucking Henry, you'll be building a medical device, right? And Henry Kissinger's on your board. It's like, honest to Christ, it's like building a new publication system, yet Macho Man Randy Savage is on your board. These <laughs> things have nothing fucking to do with each other whatsoever. Is he still alive? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just I, he was he was hilarious. He was hilarious a while ago, and he's the most inappropriate person <laughs> I could think of to do that job. Right? So, don't you think people saw Kissinger on the board and just thought, "Wow, this this thing must be the real deal." Yeah, regardless and, of the and, fact and that he doesn't know fancy, anything about science. Fancy, fancy Silicon Valley people and fucking retired generals and like all of these people who are like Madness. obviously have. Very, very strong experience in microfluidics. Yeah, yeah. You know that you get for you get for fucking up Southeast Asia. Kissing his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what 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 Madison does Henry time. Kissinger know about microfluidics? <laughs> Actually, my my favorite investment story from this whole thing is how Google Ventures didn't get burned by Theranos. Okay, whatever. I've, I've probably told it on this podcast before, but I mean, we've done so many now. You've probably forgotten. I also, have forgotten. you're tired too. You look like a bag of shit. Yeah, I've been, I've been, we've, we've been renovating. We've just moved into a new house um, about four days ago, and the moving and the renovation is just, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's, we're recording this. Um, this is midnight, at least my yeah, time. It's it's midnight. It's midnight for you, and I before yesterday, I have worked. Both previous weekends solid yeah. because I had to do my job and also write a grant. I still write grants. Um, so I'm destroyed and you're <laughs> destroyed. If you're thinking it seems a little bit more unfocused than usual, you'd be right. Yeah. We apologize. You would. <laughs> so here's how Google Ventures didn't get burned by Theranos. And it's in the book. You can read about it. It's also been reported elsewhere. So if I get any of the details wrong, look it up and then laugh at me for not remembering. They heard about it and they thought, hmm, doesn't really seem like it's possible. We're not sure what's going on. It didn't quite gel to them. People who understood what would have to happen within a diagnostic device in order for a diagnosis to be established. Mm. 
people who understood the principles of how those pieces would work. And they didn't quite get it. So they got the fucking work experience kid or something, and they popped him off to Walgreens with a, with a bunch of 20s in his pocket and said, go and get a Theranos test down at the Walgreens and we'll see what actually happens. And he went into the Walgreens and he gave his tiny little micro blood whatever sample, whatever the hell that was supposed to be a good idea. I have, I, I just, I just don't understand. And he did the test and they immediately came back to him and went, oh, yeah, we didn't get enough blood. You're going to have to come back in again and we're going to stab you properly and use the other machines because the other, machi- the other machines do it better because they're just regular diagnostic machines. You take a vial of blood and you do it properly. Yeah. And so, you know, he goes in and then reports this to everyone else. And this is this is like a tens of millions of dollars that would have been a haircut for them. They're like, well, fuck this. We send one guy and it fucks up because it literally doesn't work in the incredibly half-assed way that we tested it. No, thank you, ma'am. And they noped, they noped out. And that's my favorite story because empirical due diligence that probably cost them about 80 bucks saved them something like, Six orders of magnitude worth of haircut. Sometimes it's all about asking the right question, and I think they were the only people who had the presence of mind to do that. It's it good. I, I just see so many parallels with science where there's just so much mm. hype. Like I, I, I'm watching this, I'm like, there's just so, so much hype around certain ideas, and there's not that many people just going, "Hey, does this thing actually work?" It's absolutely ah, oh, yeah. Well, it's Dan. Reading the details is, even if you know what they are, what they're supposed to represent, it's still work. Yeah? Yeah. It's fun to be excited by stuff. It's nice to let yourself be carried away by the possibilities of the narrative. It feels good. It makes you feel like what you do is part of the great chain of human progression. And it's nice to think a lot of the time. I mean, if you're not the jealous type, I suppose, it's nice to think there are people out there being clever and having good ideas and sticking shit together for the betterment of humanity. It's a good story to wrap people up in. It's a good story to say we understand something we never understood before. It's not a reiteration of some shit that happened previously. It's not that fucking cross-eyed cockknocker from Canada, whatever his name is, Peterson, that one who just says, says the same thing over and over and over and over again. And as far as I can tell, turned into like like he's, now he's like half a half an academic and half a druid or something. <laughs> I just, think just just fiddle faddle. It's not it's not it's not that. It's not advice for life. It's just like this knowledge never existed before. We never managed to make this. This is a new story for humanity, and that's exactly the same reason that like investment theses can be exciting. Is exactly the same reason that bullshit science could be exciting. Yeah. Is because someone had the right idea, and they constructed the evidence around the narrative, like yeah. George Bush in that report from the UK and the war in Iraq. The yeah. evidence was being constructed around the narrative. Marvelous phrase. I think a lot of it is laziness as well. People see other outward signs. They say, oh, look who's on the board. And comparing this to academia, it's like, look okay. at this. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But I would question the word laziness to replace that simply with heuristics. Okay. Well, because not yes, it, it's just like you you don't want to put the time in, right? You don't. It, it's but that's, that's really at. not. That's yes, but I mean, science has a far higher bar to be a a member of the community of people who do it when it comes to looking at the details than many other things do. So in science, you could say it was laziness. 
because the responsible thing is to simply admit that you have a hope and the hope is attached to an opinion and that is not attached to a granular understanding of the evidence. But also, you can't let that fuck up your empathy, man, because there's only so much time in the day and people only know what they know. And there's plenty of people who are experts in a thing who just aren't. They aren't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always think back to this idea that um, <laughs> basically all, all the problems that we have within academia come back to a lack of time. People are lazy and they're offloading their time to other people. They're like, you know, should should we fund this person? Well, we don't. We only have a couple of hours to actually evaluate this this grant application. Let's look at other markers of, of whether we should do this, and then, you, then let's look. Let's look at heuristic markers. Yeah. That's and that's when you get it. You know, this seems a solid application, but she hasn't published enough high impact papers in reputable journals. No, no previous Fuck grants. Yeah, we're not going to award this grant because I haven't won previous grants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For your for your oh, for your early investigator award, you haven't got any previous grants. Yeah. Oh, just fucking shoot me in the face. Yeah, this is this is this the like the mission creep thing. The whole idea that you know when you when you see people saying, "Well, I've I've got the tenures and I get PhD students now, and their records were much better than mine was when I started as an associate professor." Ha 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 ha! Please recognize that. Well, obviously, we can all agree that this is a bad thing in terms of the ability to have a relatively normal life and do the work. It's a bad thing in terms of normality. It's a terrible thing in terms of equity because you have to be so heavily within the culture. You have to understand so much, get so much context, know what you need to do. You have no time to figure that out. And only in a position where someone will tell you right when the fuck you start if someone will make those opportunities available to you, can you swim in that kind of pool? Now, if that was the case, both of us would have sucked. Yeah. I would have probably sucked a bit more than you. But this sort of when you get the like the hyper competitive thing, there's nothing like knowing that you need to have years of work arrayed behind the fact first. And for that, you need someone to tell you years in advance. And people only tell you years in advance when you are part of a social mechanism that makes that information available. We never had that. No. But at the same time, we were far from disconnected and, you know, stashed off in a room at the side and had rocks thrown at us and shit like that. But it is some... I mean, the concept of a first-generation academic doesn't really super exist in Australia. But I remember being very impressed when I met the occasional person whose whose parents were a professor. It's super, like, oh my god, super rare. That was unusual. So if everyone was, it's just something that happened because it was available to happen, and people who are interested stayed. Um, so obviously that works better at home, but you you can see how the concept would be relevant here. The concept only exists because it's sufficiently common that people are pulling in other people that they're related to to be part of the culture earlier on. If you knew that for like five years earlier what was going to be super fucking important for your career in the next 10 to 15 years, you might have behaved very differently. Yeah, for sure. Okay, but no one tells you because you are not part of a social environment in which that information is made available. So hyper-competitiveness more than any other thing 
He's like, if there's going to be fucking, we're going to have a world run by white men called Jeremy. I, I swear to Christ, nothing will make that happen more than having an environment where the only way to successfully navigate it is to have n- known, to have been an insider earlier. Was that cogent? Yeah, makes sense. I feel like that was cogent. I'm really trying here. Gives you, yeah. I mean, I, I think back to the sort of head start that we would have gotten if we just had someone to go. Like we, we, we both learned this as we went. These are things that we just picked up. This works. This doesn't work. You chat to yeah, you, you, sh- you for, chat for sure. You chat to a person here or there. I don't know. It's what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't know. I think back to. I think in terms of advantage, we were sort of around the middle. As in, like, we were still exposed to well, part of a larger department. We were chatting to people, and I, I guess there were, you know, around us there were people who were quite successful in terms of academia, and we could look to that and go, "Oh, they, they did these things. This is what this yeah. is what we can do." So we were lucky Suppose. in that regard. Yeah. So it was a, it was a certain degree of exposure, but I mean, there's a degree to which when you start to enter a world like that, someone really does need to take you by the ears and drag you through it and show you what the fuck it's like. Yeah. You know, you need to be sort of inculcated. Yeah, it's it's something that I can't like the like the the center of all this is why there isn't more collective value on it is something that perpetually confuses me. And I, I think I came to the conclusion a while ago that the problem is the more resources, I mean, this is admittedly a very expensive system and in general it's funded by governments and in general that government money comes from people who pay tax. The center of one of the big structural problems is the idea that makes, a lot of the time the things that make it look frivolous and stupid and kind of empty are the same behaviors that result when you squeeze the resources out of the system in the first place. You get glib, dumb, overpublished, empty shit. When you pull the resources sufficiently out of the system that it's the only way to demonstrate success within the really silly confines that we've chosen to define that. Well, I really hope that one made sense. <laughs> Fuck, I've retracted my previous remark before about that making sense. Holy shit. But what I'm, what I'm saying is the thinner you make it, the more people are going to lean on the metrics by which they're evaluated, right? The more it's going to matter, the, the differentiable factors. Yeah, I feel like that could make sense if you weren't <laughs> such a human wasteland right now. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to cover young man i feel like this has been one of the most unfocused episodes to date no i was thinking about covering the the, the dropout the thorough story um listen there are two two great podcasts i think that podcast is called the dropout but there's also the one from john cario um which, which followed the court case um it, it was, it yeah was- that one's not going to make a lot of sense uh, unless you read the book but you really should read the book because it's it's basically the story of it's very well written and uh, he did an amazing amount of research on it. Um, I think he's just an exceptional piece of journalism. It really is. Um, 
but I would read the book before listening to it because a lot of what happens otherwise is detail details that are congruent with what happened in the book. Yeah. So it's more sort of filling out the space of what's already been established. The other one I don't know. Yeah, I've listened to it, but apparently the the, the show is based on that one. So um, yeah, the facts are the same. What the the the, the main things that happens are the same, but I, I think they approach it in different ways. Yeah, mm. check it out. Well, let's make a let's lean into another sixteen ounces of responsibility here. <laughs> This one is a lot less strong. I got a regular strength one just in case. Um, What's two um, whole beers managed to kick me down the what stairs. Is, what is regular strength in the states? Percentage well, you know, wise, lager strength five. Like, five, five okay, yeah. that, that's quite strong for the Norways. In terms is of it? well, I think grocery beers have a limit of four point five or four point three. More or less the same, isn't yeah, it? Whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So well, I had a. <laughs> I had a, a, a beer from Avery Brewing the other day, which was one of the barreled special editions that was 17 and a half. 17. And it's, it's basically a wheat wine at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes sometimes it's called, you know, you know, you know, you go to the brewery and it costs $17,000 and they serve it in an egg cup. Um, sometimes, <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes they're very, sometimes they're very nice, but in general, um, it's not, it's not something that I, I, I like much because it's, it's very, very sweet. It's impossible to get all the residual. Yeah. Uh, malt out of it. Okay. Um, Jeez, seventeen percent. This is I. I know. Yeah. It's a, this is a. It's just a mugging in a bottle, basically. <laughs> but you only ever want to drink half of the bottle, and you know, we, we, we when when we have these at you know house, we, we put them in sake glasses. Ah, <laughs> okay. Tiny, t- tiny, tiny little beers like it was sherry. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's just about as strong as that. I was going to say it's very, very similar to a sherry. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you enjoy your beer. I'm going to go to bed. Oh, dear me. Central District. Kayakers German style Kolsch. Well done. Well done. Actually making a Kolsch that tastes vaguely cologne in Austin, Texas. What an achievement. We're going to wrap up for this this episode. If Uh, we don't wrap up for this episode, I will continue to get more incoherent and Dan (laughs) will continue to get less capable of actually using words at all. I know, I know. <laughs> we- I appreciate the fact that you're trying. I mean, this is that we, we were caught out of schedule horribly. Yeah, this one. timing-wise, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost tomorrow now for you. It is and, tomorrow. Uh, That's fine. Yeah, and I'm in a fucking, I'm in, I'm in this hotel room for a day, um, you know, before the next thing happens. We've made it work. And that's normal enough, but generally I don't have my fucking podcast gear. <laughs> come on, Dan, with you. Come on, everyone, everyone out there, send send Dan, send Dan nice vibes so yes. he can get his sleepy fucking ass to bed. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I can feel them. I can feel them doing this, like in retrospect, Dan. Yeah. When this comes out in some days, it'll be it'll be out soon. Thanks for listening. It'll be out soon. Thanks for listening. Oh, we're gonna go. Thank you, Chris. Hard. I'm gonna go fucking bed. <laughs> See you all later. <laughs>